touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the A-Slut Podcast. That stands for Bias, Sex, Love, Understanding, and Trust. Also, as part of that, it's anti-slut shaming as well, because we talk about sex, we make it more normalised, and we don't judge people on what they like. The main reason behind that is that people like to fuck. Uh, I don't care about that. That's awesome. People should like to fuck. It's enjoyable. It's fun. It's what we do as human beings. So that's really awesome, and people should be doing that as much as they can. Now, this week, this week is a little bit different. I don't have a guest with me. It's just me talking to you for however long it takes to get through everything here that I have. I have been promising the the Q&A session for a little while now. Uh, now that I don't have a guest, which I'm actually quite proud of, I've gone through 12 episodes without needing to needing to go too far into anything, which is great. Um, yeah, so today's going to be that big Q&A session. Now, I'm go- it's going to be split into two parts. There's going to be the Q&A side, and then I'm also going to talk a little bit about how to realize that you're being a bad dominant, I guess is probably the layman's way of saying it. I would probably prefer to look at it more like how to improve on yourself as a dominant uh, in a kinky situation. So we're going to be talking about that. It's an article I wrote a number of years ago that has been on Tumblr for a fair while and has gone somewhat viral on Tumblr. I think it's got about 4,000 notes or something like that now. But yes, so we'll be talking a lot about that as well. Now, something arrived for me in the mail um, just the other day. Just the other day, and I'm really, really excited about it. I'm really, really keen to get into it and really get stuck into it. I haven't been able to start it yet, but I really I, that's going to be the plan for the rest of today. Uh, after I've finished recording this and, and editing it and getting it out there for you guys to listen to. It's the first time I've had um, doing the recording on the day of release, so that's another new one for me as well. But I got a new book. Okay? I got a new book. It's quite a famous book. A lot of you listening will probably already know it, but I'm really, really excited for it. It's Come As You Are. Uh, the author is Emily Nagoski, uh, Dr. Emily Nagoski, I should say. Um, and it's the surprising new science that will transform your sex life. Now, I've been told to read this by uh, a guest who has been on this podcast, Shan. She swears by it, so I thought, okay, I'm I'm going to read it. I'm going to give it a go. I have no doubts whatsoever that it's going to be good. And even uh, the author of another book that I that I have read um, says that it's a good one. Dr. Ian Kerner, who was the author of She Comes First, which is something that I read a little while ago. So I'm really, really, really excited for this. So it's turning on the ons, turning off the offs, take control of context, responsive desire, all of that lovely, beautiful stuff um, that I love talking about. So, yeah, really, really looking forward to that. Apart from that, this week's been rather uneventful for me. I I left one of my jobs. 
because um, I was doing just a little bit too much. It wasn't necessary. I am trying to find some more some more work, but that will come when it comes. I'm also planning a trip to the southwest sort of area of the United States. So we're talking Cali, a little bit of Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona, New Mexico. And of course, you have to go to that magnificent center of debauchery, Las Vegas, while I'm there as well. So that's probably going to happen in about 12 months or so from now. Um, but the planning has has started for that, and I'm really, really excited to do that as well. So I guess, I guess now, uh, without further further hold up, we'll get into. Well, for, first of all, I'm going to start with a personal question that somebody's asked me directly um, due to the situation that they're in, and from there, I do have a lot more sort of generalized questions. So I've got one really in-depth one where I've got a fair bit of information about it. The rest of it's sort of sort of um, maybe not so personal but still really good advice. So for once here, I think I'm actually fulfilling the advice part of the Ace podcast and, and talking to you guys about Problems that some people have, some things that some people want to know, and and we'll go from there. So, this is this has um, been sent in by somebody who wanted to remain anonymous, which is absolutely fine. You can do that too. I don't have to say your name on on the podcast. That's great. So, here we go. Well, I'm Polly, and always have been. I'm currently in my first monogamous relationship, but I have been happy and okay with up until recently. I'm fulfilled emotionally for the most part, but not even close physically. He lives in Portland. I live in Phoenix. I'm not from the States, so I know that's a fair way. Those of you guys in the States will know a wee bit more about that. But even when we're together every couple of months, he's a lot less sexual than I am, and my needs are still far from met. He's not at all open to opening our relationship, and I guess I'm trying to find something to help or figure out if it's even something that can be helped. I don't know if I'm just going to have to break up with him or be miserable. I don't know. Now, th this is kind of a tough one because you've got two people here that quite obviously have feelings for each other. Okay, and quite deep-seated feelings too, I think. And <clears throat> I think this is kind of the reason that Polly exists. <clears throat> as a lifestyle choice, as oh, I, guess, I guess just a general choice that a person can make as well. But, yeah, so the reason that I think Polly exists is so that all needs and desires can be fulfilled. Like, if you've gone mono and it's not what you need, then you need to look at what's more important. Oh, well, this person does. Sorry. They've gone mono and, yeah, need to look at what's more important, whether it be the mental health and physical needs or the relationship. And part of my thought in this is if your physical needs aren't being mentioned and she she states that she's trying to decide between trying hard and, and being miserable, it affects the mental state as well. If somebody's not having all that much sex with you, you I feel as though <clears throat> I feel as though you don't feel as attractive or as wanted or as 
beautiful at times, I guess, for lack of a better term. So that's definitely quite a big part of it. <clears throat> and you kind of need to have your needs as well as a priority. I I call call me selfish, but I'll always look after myself uh, before anything else, I guess. So if I if I'm in this situation, I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, this isn't working for me. I'm feeling crap about it all. It's it's not going to work. I <clears throat> I don't know how to fix this. You'll have to excuse the clearing of the throat. I'm a little bit sick still. <clears throat> now. I've even asked this person that the physical needs not being met do affect them mentally as well. So that's quite a large sort of red flag for me there that something needs to change here at some point quite soon. And is it's all well and good being fulfilled <clears throat> mentally for the most part. You know, you're happy in the relationship, everything's fine when you're together, but that physical side is still sort of lacking, I guess. And I'm a logical thinker, <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> I think about what's going to be best for me. And the, the, the other person in this in this duo, in this monogamous relationship, they're going to get over it at some point. That's part of life. Breakups are part of life. So that sort of thing can change. And... Yeah. If if you talk to him and he's and he's not keen at all in any way, shape or form to to open up the relationship, that's sort of a little bit of a red flag for me as well. Um it's one of those things where you know, you're you're compromising something by being with this person. You know, you're compromising oh not yeah, compromising your lifestyle as as a polyamorous person and changing it to suit them, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, but compromise is a two-way street here. Um, so the, the fact that he's not willing for you to, to sleep with anyone else, to have relationships with anyone else, the relationship thing I sort of understand a little bit because there needs to be like a deep-seated connection for a relationship in most formats, in most ways. Sex, for for me personally, not so much. It's not as big of a deal as being in a relationship with somebody else. So, in saying that then, are they open to perhaps you having some fun? Or even threesomes or foursomes or, you know, heading to swingers parties and things like that could be an option. If it's purely sexual, if they're not interested in that either, then that's where the big issue sort of comes in, in that they're not willing to move on that at all, but it's something that you need. And they've not got a high sex drive either, which adds another whole sort of aspect to this as well, in that, you know, if their sex drive isn't high, it's probably going to be considered uneven if... You, if you do open up the the relationship, and I think that might be the concern that this guy has, is that is that um, the girl, the other half of this relationship, will go out and get laid left, right, and centre um, during, I guess, to the 
proviso that it's easier for women to get sex than what it is for men, which I generally don't agree with. Both parties want to get laid. It's just about doing it the way that suits the two people involved, I guess. Um, but if if that's the concern, then I think that's something that he would need to look at in his own life as well and and his work on in his own self-improvement. I talk a lot about self-improvement because I think it's a really important characteristic to have is to be able to look at yourself and go, okay, something's not right here. How do I go about and fix it? How can I move through this and become a better person on the other side? So I, get, I guess, I say I guess a lot because I don't know the situation exactly, but that could be a reason why he's thinking that. And that then, for me, becomes a jealousy thing. And I've talked a lot about jealousy on this podcast before. Um, I'll talk about it a lot more in the future as well because it is quite a major thing when it comes to poly and swinging and kink and all of the lovely stuff that I'm into. So it, it's going to come up a lot more. And he's sort of got to work on himself at this point as well. could be with help from you. It could be with help from his family. It could be with help from anyone because he's not going to be able to do it alone. That shit's difficult. So... If you're able to offer that help with him to get through that and talk about his feelings and, and that sort of thing, then by all means, go for it. Because you're going to have to get deep with it. It's going to have to be deep conversations involved in all of this to be able to get through to the other side. And for the relationship to be stronger at the other end of it as well. I'm not here saying that all people should be going poly. I'm not here saying that he needs to go poly. I'm just trying to give a few sort of ways that I would go about things. So in, in, in summary, it's him sitting him down and talking with, to him about his feelings and why he feels that way. There's always the opportunity to leave and look after your mental health more than anything else. Or to keep things as the status quo to keep your partner happy. Which I think is a dangerous thing because you will resent him, oh, likely will resent him at some point for you having to give up this big part of yourself. Because, I mean, you said you've always been poly. So, yeah, that, that that's my take on that. That's my take on that. It's a bit of a convoluted one and it's one, that, one that's very difficult because different things affect different people different ways and different situations. So there's a lot of moving parts here. And that's what makes it a little bit difficult to answer, is that there is so many different moving things here and so many things that could change at the drop of a hat. You know, the way people think is different. The way people act is different. The way people move their processes, the way they like things, it's all different. So you can't sit there and go, no, you need to do it this one way. It's not going to work like that. Life doesn't work like that. So why should relationships? Anyway, I hope that sort of answered that question. I think I've gone into into that quite in depth, you know, quite, quite a bit. Um, so I really hope that that works out for you. 
please do let me know how it goes. Um, because I'm really interested. I'm really interested in the in the decision that you make in this situation. I'm really interested in how things end up. I'm really interested on his path of through this journey as well. So I'd really like to hear his thoughts. Um, if you do talk to him, especially that'd be that'd be sort of amazing to to have it. Yeah, to know where he's come from and what's happening with him. And maybe I'll have you on the podcast sometime to talk about this whole transition because uh, it could be quite interesting. But, yeah, please do keep in touch. Um, you got you got a hold of me through the email at theaceloppodcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, feel free to, to keep that in there. And, um, and yeah, keep keep in touch. Got a nice big glass of milk here for me. Now, let, we're going to move on to the more, I guess, generalized questions at this point. Um, oh, this one, yeah, maybe to a degree is a little bit generalized, but also it's a little bit personal. Um, so this next person asks, I've been having what I consider think kinky thoughts and the way that things should be in the bedroom. Now, my partner's very vanilla, and what I want to know is how do I get him to change and and basically fuck me the way that I want to be fucked. Now, the first thing that I want to say about this is I don't like how that last sentence is worded. How do I get him to change? That's It's not about getting him to change. It's not about forcing them to change. It's about having a conversation around what you're really after in that situation, okay? You can't sit there and go, okay, you need to change this because blah, 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 because you're not fucking me properly, because I need to be dominated, because it doesn't make me feel like a real woman when this happens, or whatever the reasoning be. It, yeah, it can't be get him to change. It's okay. How can we work together to create a mutual sort of response to all of this? Okay? So when I say that, what I'm what I'm really talking about is is compromise. Just like I did with the with the last one. There's gotta be a little bit of compromise here. Yeah, he's gonna compromise to come up to your level and, and do what what you like. You haven't really listed kinks or anything like that in here. I'm going to guess that it's it's mainly impact playing around spanking and that sort of thing. Or just a really good hard rough fuck. Could be rope. I don't know. But you've got to sit down and have the conversation with him and go and say something along the lines of Hey, I've been having these thoughts around let let's use spanking as an example. Um I've been having these thoughts around you know, being spanked while we're in the bedroom and, and quite hard. Um, is that something you, you think that you could try next time we, we go at it? You know, it could be something like that. And my, my hope at that point is that this person doesn't get defensive. The, the partner doesn't get defensive. And because a, man, a man's ego when it comes to sex is generally quite fragile. And they don't like being told that their their partner's not enjoying what they're doing or or whatever. But I think 
by the same token, in a true partnership, you should be able to talk about what you like, what you don't like, you know, and, and evolve that sexual relationship, evolve your relationship in general, I guess, but also definitely evolve that sexual relationship into something that's mutually beneficial. If both parties aren't, if one of the two parties is not enjoying it, then what's the point of doing it? You know, I've said that quite a lot on here as well. But it, it's still so, so true and so poignant, I think, that both parties need to be enjoying it. And to for both parties to enjoy it, I think you definitely do need to have that that conversation around what both parties enjoy. So, yeah, nice and simple. Sit him down, talk about it, what you like. And the other thought is that, is that swinging could be part of it. Um, you could become a hot wife like a few women I know are. Um, you know, you can become polyamorous. There's there's lots of different options here. and But it all begins with that initial discussion with your partner about about what you're, what you're both getting. So, it, it, there, there's a few personal questions in here as well, guys. So you, you're going to learn a little bit about me as well. Um, I mean, you've probably already had enough of me on here but but that's okay so when did you start when did you first start being poly-minded so it was it's only kind of recently I guess but no now that I think about it I've probably been poly for a fair fair amount of time because I've never really understood the need to to only love one person at a time it's not obviously not you non-platonically love somebody, love one person at a time. Never really, really sat with me. And I only had short relationships while I was growing up and, and going through my teens and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So looking back at it, I was probably poly-minded as long as I can remember, but not knowing what poly was. And I think this is quite a common thing. It wasn't until I joined the kink scene uh, which would have been about two and a half, three years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. But I realised that that poly was a thing, and I sort of just sat there and went, you know what, that that kind of sounds like how I've been thinking my whole sort of uh, adolescent to adult life. So it was, yeah, that that's two two and a half, three ish years is is about the time that I started being poly minded. Oh, really knew what poly was, but probably poly-minded for much, much longer than that. And it's been a great journey since then. Uh, how many poly relationships have you had? Hmm. It's a great question. Three or four? It's not been that many. Um, I'm incredibly picky when it comes to people that I spend my time with. Um, and even more so when it comes to people that I'm going to be in relationships with, they, it's, it's very, very important that the, that we mesh well in many ways. Oh, I, not very quick to compromise, but I will at some point, as long as, as long as it's right, as long as it feels right to me. And that's an important part is, is my feeling and the way that that, and the way that that goes as well. So, yeah. That's how many poly relationships have had. 
No, he, he's one that I've answered a couple of times on the podcast, and I think even when I've been on other people's podcasts, I've been on a few now. Uh, what's the difference between poly and swinging? So polyamory, and this is my opinion, okay? I, I'm more than happy to be told that I'm wrong and for other people to have their opinions and other people to live the lifestyle the way that they want to. So polyamory for me is multiple relationships, okay? So you're dating two or three people, you're in a relationship with two or three people or more, you know, you could have a big poly family or something like that. Swinging, and, and there's that mental that mental connection with, with polyamory completely as well. Swinging is more to the physical side where, you know, a couple can go out and, you know, they find another couple they like and they have adult fun, they have sex, they do whatever, and that side of things. So one's more mental, one's more physical, and of course they overlap. Um, the swinging down under guys, C and D, are, are probably a great example of the ones that overlap because they need to have that connection before they fuck people as well. Whereas some people do just go out and fuck. Um, whether as a couple or as singles, go their separate ways, come back and talk about it and sort of go from there. But for me, it tends... I, I guess swinging, when it comes to the mental side of things, is more of a friends with benefits style of things, whereas polyamory is I'm in a relationship with these people. That's my view on it. And like I said, feel free to tell me I'm wrong. I'm absolutely fine with that because if I'm being told I'm wrong, it means that I'm learning somebody else's point of view. Um, I'm extending my own knowledge as well, which is always a good thing for me. I love learning, so I have no issues with that at all either. But um, yeah, let me know. Let me know what you think the difference is. Um, and next one is, what is the most difficult part of being poly? So a lot of these are poly-based because I guess... There's a lot of people, a lot of my friends, I guess, didn't realize that I was poly for a while. I don't close it off. I'm actually quite open about it, but I'm not going to rub it in people's faces and say, hey, I'm polyamorous, I blah, 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 blah. It's not, it's not my thing. I'll talk about it if it comes up. If someone goes, um, oh, yeah, how's your partner? I'll sit there and go, oh, yeah, Aaron's great. Zoe's great. Whoever it is at the time, you know, um, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm talking about them that way. And they're like, but you were talking about somebody, oh, yeah, I'm polyamorous, blah, 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 and go from there. It's a little bit different. But, yeah, I am very, very open about it. most difficult part of being poly, there's two things, I think. The first one is scheduling. You need to have a really good calendar to be poly, especially if you're dating, um, you know, two, three, four people at a time, your calendar gets absolutely mental. And and you, you, it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge fitting everybody in and trying to give everybody the same sort of um, quality time as, as the other partners that you have. And the second one is obviously uh, a human trait that most people sort of deal with is the jealousy side of things. Um, I don't really get jealous anymore because I I have complete trust and faith in my partners when I have partners um, but they'll let me know what's going on you know so jealousy is not a big one for me anymore but I think it still is for a lot of people 
And the way that I deal with that, the way that I deal with that is I look inward and I go, okay, why am I feeling this way? Because I've said it a couple of times is that jealousy is not an emotion in and of itself. It is a bundle of different emotions like anger, like sadness, hatred, fear, uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. You know, there's all of these different things that are jumbled into, into jealousy. And the way that I try and look at it from that point is that I'll look into myself and go, okay, what's actually causing this? Why am I feeling this way? Why is this hurting me in, in such a way that I want to, that I want to lash out? Which is a natural sort of reaction if someone's hurting you is to lash out. And I often realize that it's just me in my own head going, okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't really, What's going on? Why is this person off with somebody else? What are they getting from this other person that they're not getting from me? And that's what I've been able to change. And I've sat there and gone, well, I can't provide everything in, in my partner. So if they're missing something, they can get it from somebody else. That's fine. If it makes them happy, then I'm happy. There's nothing wrong with my partner being happy. If I'm like, I'll go, I'll go back to the advice at the start that I gave. If my partner's not happy, then it's kind of selfish to keep them, to keep them in that relationship, I think. You know, very, very uh, difficult and very, very selfish and very, very harsh on the other person to try and keep them in that situation. So, and then you've got to try and find the balance of when's too much. So if somebody's spending all of their time with a new partner, you know, you've got that new relationship energy and you sit there and you're going, oh, this actually feels kind of crap, This, but my partner's spending so much time with this new partner, not so much with me. Uh, and that can be quite difficult as well. So, yeah, there's there's a couple of different ways, a couple of different things around the jealousy that can be really, really quite difficult, as well as obviously the, the timetabling and the scheduling of everything, especially when you've got a new relationship. I just spoke about NRE, New Relationship Energy. Um, it's always exciting getting into a new relationship. It always is. They're not going to, to change that. If you're not excited about the, the relationship at the beginning, it's, what are you doing in it? it you know, you should, it makes it kind of difficult to understand why you're in a relationship that you're not enjoying. But, hey, I'm not here to judge. That's that's all all you guys on that one. But, yeah, most difficult part of being poly, there's two parts to that. There's the scheduling, which is a little bit of a joke one, but it is also true. And the jealousy side. And the jealousy is the more painful one as well to try and deal with. And the more difficult one to deal with, I think, as well. Because it makes you look at yourself. And a lot of people don't like looking at themselves in a mirror and going, okay, what's going on here? Why am I acting this way? Why am I feeling this way? How do I fix it? And that's the big question people don't ask themselves, I think. How do I fix it? And sometimes you need somebody else to help you with that. Sometimes you need somebody else to go, hey, this is how you fix it. And then you go, god damn, I knew that, but I didn't think about that. So, yeah. 
I'll leave that answer there, otherwise I'm going to ramble on for probably a fair while. Um, but that does bring us to the end of the of the Q&A section of this episode. And we're going to move straight on in to 10 Reasons You Suck as a Dom. So this is intended for male dominance and female submissives. But it's not limited to, not limited to this audience, but understand that that is its intended audience. Number 10. You don't understand the basic concept of behavior modification or behavior association. The explanation for that, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard of dominance say something along the lines of, if my submissive crosses a line, then she gets 10 lashings when she gets home. The reason this is a problem is that you're associating the lashings as a negative. You're engraving in your submissive's head that if she can't, if she crosses a line, she will get beat, and that is a problem if your submissive is a masochist. Yet you wonder why she keeps exhibiting certain behaviours you don't like? Because she might enjoy getting beat, you idiot. <laughs> if they're a masochist, they're going to like getting beat. And if they're getting beaten when they uh, behave inappropriately, then guess what? They're going to keep acting that way, people. It's not just a magic switch. The resolution for that, educate yourself on the power of behavior association and behavior modification. There's a really, really cool book that I would recommend for people in this situation. Uh, it's called Behavior Modification, Basic Principles, and that's by David L. Lee. That will tell you all you need to know about, you know, what actions give what consequences and how that makes somebody sort of feel. If you're training a submissive who is a masochist, then lashings probably isn't the best punishment for them. There are punishments and there's punishments. Two completely different things. So if you're talking about punishments, then hitting them's not going to work. Causing them pain's not going to make them change their behaviors. And then you've also got to be careful about the fact that you are actually changing someone's behavior and you're changing their mindset around things um, and kind of mind-fucking them, I guess. And that can be quite dangerous in and of itself, of course, if, you know, there's... The, the mental state gets altered in that sort of situation and can make things actually quite dangerous uh, if you if you do it in the wrong way for, for years and years to come in the future. So, yeah. Behaviour Modification, Basic Principles by David L. Lee. Go and check it out. Number nine. You think you should allow or you allow your anger to fuel your dominance. This one seems like common sense, guys. This seems like common sense, but it's really not. When you're angry, you shouldn't be playing in any way, shape, or form, even in a 24-7 dynamic. Sometimes it goes out the window. So there was a point in my DS life that I noticed. I corrected my submissive better when I was angry or irritated. And it's not cool. It's, it's really, really not cool. Truthfully, it shows a lack of control on the dominance end because they can't even control their own emotions, let alone controlling how somebody else feels about the situations. So you think about it. Why do you feel like you have to be 
bothered to inverted inverted quotations perform better. You are the one that dictates the pace. No one else. There's nobody sitting there going, hey, you have to go and do things now. Take a step back. Relax a little bit and then go for it. As I understand the releasing of, of anger. I understand the releasing of feelings in general in a scene. But don't fly into whatever you're going to do whilst angry. You can't allow that anger to fuel what you're doing. So find peace with yourself. You know, understand that you don't have to be angry or irritate, irritated and just relax. Figure out what makes you happy, and in return, your submissive will feed off your vibe and want to be better because you're leading her down a good path. The correct path, if you will. Okay, so we move on to number eight. You take care of yourself. Uh, you take care of everyone else before you take care of yourself. This is a little bit more out of left field, I guess, for a lot of people. Because people think, okay, taking care of your submissive is, is key. But if you can't take care of yourself first, you won't be able to take care of anyone else properly. So if, you, if, you, if your mental state isn't right, and, and you are wallowing in self-pity, you know, your mental state isn't great. You know, all of these sorts of different things that can happen in just in general life, right? It's, it's nothing new. It's nothing amazing. But it can, it certainly happens. Life can get you down. But if you can't look after yourself and know what to do in those situations, how are you going to help somebody else in those situations? How are you going to be able to treat them the way that they need to be treated um, if you can't even treat yourself the way that you need to be treated? So that can be quite dangerous as well. So treat yourself first. If you need to heal, then heal. If you need assistance, if you need your submissive to simply listen to you, then do it. Figure it out. It's not as difficult as a lot of people make it out to be. But it's also quite a lot more dangerous than people think it is. If you're putting everybody else before yourself, it's like, again, I'll go back to the to the beginning segment of the show. If you're putting everybody else before you, it can affect you mentally and tire you out. And that's when mistakes can happen. And you do things and say things that you don't mean to. Everybody's done that before, right? Everybody's said something that they they really didn't mean to say. It just sort of came out at a, at a moment of stress. That's what needs to change. If you if you you know if you're exhibiting those sorts of behaviours. Here's quite an important one. Number seven. You think it's a sign of weakness to open up to your submissive. Bullshit. It's it's not a sign of weakness to open up to anyone, and I think this is especially poignant for for male dominance. Like I said, this is done from a male dominant perspective. But if you think it's weak to talk to somebody about your shit, uh, talk to your submissive about your shit, you're not going to grow together. I don't think. 
um, they're going to to respect and trust you a lot more that you are able to talk to them about shit that's going on in your life. So, for whatever reason, in today's present day society, we do believe that any time a man exhibits any sort of inclination of emotional vulnerability, he is considered weak and unfit to be a man. And we do try and change this, and I do believe it's slowly coming around, slowly but surely coming around, so that men will talk a little bit more. Um, in New Zealand, there's... I can't remember the statistic, but I'm pretty sure men are committing suicide far, far more than women are in New Zealand. And it's because we have this big Kiwi macho bullshit um, that I've talked about in previous episodes as well. Of, you know, if you if you cry, you're not a man. You're not manly enough. If you're of a different build, you're not manly enough. If you're you know, if you talk to somebody about your issues, you're not a man, you know. What a load of fucking bullshit that is. I'm not saying to go open up to a random co-worker or stranger or tell them a life story or anything like that. What I'm saying is talk to your mother, your father, your best friends, your submissives, someone who really cares for you. Or you careful. and open up to them. They deserve to see that side of you. It is their reward to see your weakness. In fact, they get to see this side that no one else gets to see. And that's such a huge reward because it shows how much you actually really do care for them. And it's kind of like the point that that I just brought up a moment ago that people will get you'll grow closer and you'll grow together as as people if you're opening up in this sort of way when something's when something's going wrong you know and and you're feeling a little bit weak a little bit down a little bit you know you're finding times tough at that point talking to to these sorts of people will help the situation and you will grow with that person I promise you that you will grow with that person together um, you know both it both physically you know you're going to be together physically a lot but emotionally as well and I think that's even more important than the physical side for sure and on that note we move on to number six number six is that you're a selfish bitch and you think that DS is all about you. I don't don't think this one actually needs to be explained all too much. A, A DS dynamic is a partnership between the two people. If you think it's all about you, then fuck you. Absolutely just fuck you. It's not about you. It's about both of you working together um, for the greater good of each other. <laughs> I, I I can't help but laugh. Um, I remember writing this a long time ago, and it was such an obvious thing. And it turns out that it's not a common thing for something that is as obvious as this is. So if the re- relationship revolves around you getting your dick sucked whenever you desire, 
You ordering her to fetch things as you please. You ordering her. You ordering her around whenever you please. Basically, you getting all the perks that a dominant gets in a DS relationship. But if you have little or no consideration for your S-type and her well-being, then you're not a dom. You're basically an abuser. And fuck you. You're a user, a manipulator, and you don't appreciate what you have until it's taken away from you. And it will get taken away from you. That is pretty much a promise. If you treat somebody badly, it gets taken away from you. If you treat your kids badly, they get taken away from you. Treat your animals badly, they get taken away from you. This one may not be taken away from you so much, more than they'll pick up on it and they'll leave. Or somebody will show them the error that they're making and they'll leave. Won't be taken because no one's coming and forcibly taking them. But they will leave. If you treat anyone like shit, they'll eventually leave. And then you don't realize what you have until it's gone. They paid paradise to put up a parking lot. (laughs) Oh, what a song that was. But I digress. I've actually been really good at keeping on topic on this one. Uh, mainly, mainly because there's nobody else talking as well to make it difficult for me, I guess. <laughs> now, number five. You were and are a piece of shit of a human being before you stepped into Diaz. This one applies to everyone. When you step into this amazingly beautiful and intense dynamic, you're either going to blossom or you're going to perish. You really never stopped to think that all your problems were not going to be discovered. You really thought that you could push aside all your deepest, darkest secrets and your significant other would never get to see it? Get the fuck out of here. Figure out your shit. Go to counselling, go to rehab, get treatment, do whatever you need to do to get help. But understand that the problems in your personal daily life will affect the problems close to you, will affect everybody that's close to you. Stop hurting everyone else and stop hurting everyone you love. They don't deserve it. So I guess this is slightly missaid, I think, even. Because it may not be that you're a piece of shit human. You may just not realize that you've got a lot of shit there that you are yet to deal with. So that also comes into this as well. In in quite a big way, I think. It's very, very difficult to come into a DS relationship with a whole bunch of... I'm, I don't want to say baggage, but it's kind of what it is. Is all of this emotional, mental, physical... All, all of this stuff that is not making you the best human that you can be. That can fuck you up, man. It really, really can. So, yeah, go, go and sort your shit out. Go and do what you need to do to get on the level. And then go for it. Because once you've overcome that, man, you're going to be so much better for it. You're going to be so much better person. And you're going to attract a lot better people. And 
we, we all want to feel attractive. There's no two ways about that. Um, but I think that attractiveness, that animal magnetism, if you will, comes from the inside more than anything else. So, and once you sort all that stuff out, you're you're, you're pretty you're, you're pretty good here. Number four, you refuse to admit, or you refuse to admit, or you don't understand that a DS relationship is in fact a relationship. And this is something that I've talked about on my pods when I've talked about swinging and polyamory and stuff like that. The polyamory side of things, I've never been, I guess, in a romantic relationship with some of the people that I've been in a DS relationship with. And but they still can, I still consider that a relationship, and that's why I consider it being polyamory. You know, because I still have a relationship with that person. I still have. A responsibility with that person as well, um, in a way, uh, especially when it comes to aftercare and things like that. So, just just a side note on that. I'm talking about a DS dynamic here, not topping and bottoming. The difference for me is that there's a deeper connection with a DS relationship versus topping and bottom, bottoming, which is more focused on the play and the scene itself. So, I don't do a lot of topping and bottoming personally. I'm more of a DS guy. Where everything's sort of negotiated, and there's the aftercare aspect. I, I spend a lot of time with them outside of of play as well, um, and I deem it as an incredibly incredibly sexual act and sensual act as well. It might be incredibly violent, that's for sure. I've had some very violent scenes, but it's still. For me, at that point, I'd still call it a relationship. It may not be a full-on romantic relationship, like you're thinking. It may not be dating, but there's still a relationship there. But you will eventually develop feelings for your submissive, to an extent. You will eventually learn to care for them. If you don't, you're a fucking asshole. The key word is you should. You should not be emotionally disconnected from your submissive. Because that shit can fuck them up, especially when it comes to aftercare and stuff like that, where you know you spend half an hour beating them or whatever with with different objects, and you know a hug afterwards for you know another half an hour or something like that, just to just to cuddle, is can be greatly necessary. And if you don't care for your submissive, that could be completely fucking missed, and it's terrifying. Um. And, yeah, I, I, I find that absolutely scary, to be honest. If, if somebody's not doing that, I, I would be running for the hills. Um, but, yeah, it, it is a relationship if it's DS. If it's topping and bottoming in just one scene, that's a little bit different. The aftercare should still be there. But if it's a one-off, then, yeah, the, the, the feelings perhaps aren't there quite as much. Um, so you're not developing those feelings a little bit more, but in the in a DS dynamic, then it is a relationship, and it should be seen as such. So understand that in order to have a successful, healthy DS relationship with your submissive, understand that a it is a relationship, and b you have to care for her and nourish her and cherish her and treat her like the amazing woman that she is. Because 
Our submissives are amazing people. They they really really are. They give all of this this power and this trust and you know their their bodies, their minds, their everything to us. And they should be cherished and nourished and cared for. If for no other reason than that reason alone. Because man, like that's some powerful shit right there. It really, really is. And it's it's almost like you're saying treat your girl right, but it has the added nuance of the fact that this is a DS dynamic and it is a DS relationship. Number three. You purposely try to disconnect your emotions in your DS dynamic. Oh boy, I remember writing this one and it was, man, it hit me hard. Because you, you don't want to see, you don't want to be that person who's seen as an abuser or anything like that. Which sometimes to the outside world it can be. But, yeah, don't hold back. Let yourself be vulnerable from time to time. So what's, what's the matter? Are you scared of getting hurt? Are you scared of someone actually loving you? Are you scared of someone stepping into your heart and seeing all the dark shit that's in there? All your problems? All your demons? Do you think nobody will ever love you? Your partner doesn't deserve you to hold back. Put yourself in her shoes. Here she is giving you her heart, completely for you to do as you please. Not just her heart, her mind, her body, her soul. And you can't even give her the honor of having your heart as well that's not cool man that's not cool how would you act if your submissive only followed your orders 65 percent of the way how would you feel if she always held back from certain areas and told you no quite often feels horrible man nobody likes it nobody should ever hold back to each other it should be a work in progress now, I'm a guy who has incredibly high walls. It's, it can be difficult to, for, for those to be broken down. But as soon, you know, and working together is, is able to bring those walls down and I open up and it, and it becomes really quite nice, I guess. Um, and it can hurt down the line, sure. I've been hurt multiple times. It happens. But as long as you're working towards getting that just a bit better, you're going in the right direction. Work on giving your heart completely to the one who deserves it. Strive for that. Pursue it. And I might just add in there, not the one, but the whoever it is, the people who deserve it. It will change your life forever in so many positive ways. It will break down so many walls and barriers. It will open a new a world to new feelings, new sensations, new communication. And boy, talk about the sex. <laughs> the sex is so much more intimate and so much better when you're able to get all of that off your chest and when you know your lover loves you and will do what it takes to please you. You give as much as you get back in life. And that's definitely the case with a DS dynamic. So it's a give and take, really. You're expecting your submissive to give so much of themselves. And 
you don't want to give anything back? That's harsh. That's really, really difficult to deal with. And why I think a lot of DS dynamics that do fail, fail, is because of that reason. And, um, yeah, so open up. Don't be afraid to be a little bit vulnerable at times. It's kind of cool to be vulnerable at times because it allows you to get everything off your chest. They're seeing that you're opening up and that bond between you and them gets so much closer and so much more beautiful and stunning and just delicious. There's a word that I'll use for that is delicious and meaningful. I like my DS dynamics to be meaningful, have a purpose, have a drive, and have it hot. Of course I want it hot. Who doesn't want their sex to be hot, guys, huh? Everybody. And once you're able to break down those walls, break down those barriers, uh, to use a wrestling reference, break the walls down, it will become a lot better. Number two, you're not honest with yourself. And this can happen to a lot of people. It happened to me. I was very, very... I couldn't see my flaws very well. I could have been considered cocky, arrogant, all of those sorts of things. And if you're not honest with yourself, like I wasn't, you can't properly grow, you can't properly heal, and you're kind of limited. Um, I had a lot of trauma growing up, which is why I put on this this cocky, arrogant sort of persona. It, it is who I am, there's no doubt about that. But it was also a protection sort of thing for me. And that's where you can't properly heal comes in. can't properly grow to become the person that I am now, talking about all of this sort of stuff. And, and running my podcast and talking about consent and talking about all of this sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big one for me. You can't really develop, truly develop into the dominant that you need to be if you can't identify what behaviors need changing. Like with my cockiness, like with my arrogance, like thinking I was the best thing since sliced bread. It does need to change if you want to become a better dominant. But not just that. That needs to change if you want to be a better person in life as well. If you can identify areas of improvement within yourself, then you're going to be a better person. Not just a better dominant, not just a better lover, not just a better... You know? You're going to be a better human. So what you really need to do at that point is take some time and... To yourself, reevaluate your current position in life. Why do you have such a hard time being honest with yourself? And it can't, it might not just be about you, it could just be about the situation that's happening around you, you know, the people that you hang out with, anything like that. Why do you always try to convince yourself that everything is fine when it's not? Do you, don't you see the harm that it's done to you? the harm it's done to your family, to your submissive, take a good, long, hard look at yourself and realize the damage that you are causing to everyone else. Forget about dominance with this one. 
this one topic. I'm speaking man to man. As a man, you need to be able to look yourself in the eye and admit the shit you need to correct in your life. Because no one else can do that for you but yourself. Remember, you are the leader. Therefore, it's ultimately your decision. And whatever decision you make is final. Now, another big one in this as well is... I put up a post, a thread on Twitter. I put up a post on on the Facebook at the S Podcast. For those of you that don't know, about something that I noticed just the other day, and I'd been guilty of this horrendously in the past, and I was reminded of it as well, uh, which I don't mind because it means there's improvement for myself in there. So there was uh, basically a very quite an attractive young woman. I would say probably mid-twenties to early-thirties, really, really sort of something else. Um, from what I could tell, I didn't really look at her, didn't really see her face. She walked past me as I was on the way to catch my bus to go home from work. And what I noticed actually quite disturbed me a bit because I realised that I've done it quite a, quite a lot as well. I started watching the people around me. It wasn't until afterwards that I realised how much I'd actually done it. Started watching the people around me. There was one man who in, who crossed the road just in front of her, and instantly crossed back after she'd walked past. There was another two guys who walked past. Actually, no, sorry, the first guy stopped, stared, and gawking the gawked the entire time um, that she was walking past. Two other men walked past. I heard their mutterings to each other about what they would do to that woman if they had the chance. I mean, that, that was quite unsavoury, to say the least. Every man that I saw for the rest of that walk would not stop staring, and I couldn't help but feel and think how uncomfortable that could make that poor woman feel. It didn't seem to faze her, but in saying that, I could not see her face. But if it didn't, that's just as scary, because it's happened so much to someone that they need to get used to it. And this is why women get defensive. This is why women don't want to walk alone. And this is why us as men need to need to look at this sort of behaviour, which is a flaw, and is a bit terrible. And we need to have just a little bit of class, a bit of mod- a modicum of respect, even for for these wonderful women. And the re- the reason that I've told that story now on this podcast is, like I said, because I've been that that person before, and and I've made people feel uncomfortable doing that sort of thing before as well. and But I noticed it. I looked myself in the eye, like I've said in here, and I admitted that it was something that I had done, and I admitted that it was something that I needed to change. Hell, even some of the Facebook messages that I've sent to girls in the past have been pretty fucking atrocious, really. But I've looked at myself and gone, that shit needs to stop. Right now... That decision is final. And that was me being honest with myself, saying, this is not who I want to be. This is not who I want to portray myself to be. This is that nothing good can come of this. So I stopped. It's as simple as that. Number one, the final one, which is a super important one, which is, I guess, why it's at number one. Because it can be quite dangerous. Number one, you have stopped learning. 
I don't give a fuck who you are, what you know, or who you came from. There is never, never an excuse to stop learning. The only time you can stop learning is the day you die. Stop lying to yourself. If you think you have it all figured out, just wait and see a couple of years from now. The truth is, you can always learn something new. You can always make something better. Now you can create peace from this, knowing that you're always learning. You can break yourself down over and over and over again, fail multiple times. Get knocked to the ground over and over again. Get back up. You can fail. You can suffer. You can love like no other. There's no limitation to what you can do when you put yourself in a position to learn. If you learn to truly accept that you should never stop learning, then one day you will know that you are complete as a dom. You should never think that you know you are where you need to be. You should know you are where you need to be. And that knowing is not going to be, I know everything. It's, okay, this is exactly where I need to be at this phase of my existence, at this phase of my journey through the wonderful world of, of BDSM. And the only way you can get there is by constantly learning and failing over and over again. It's not until then, at that point only, when you shall find peace. And you can find peace while still learning. There's something I'll add to that. Because learning is, is such, 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 such an important thing that, that gets overlooked a little bit. You know, there can be new technologies that come out. There's different, uh, the biggest one, actually, the biggest one is different people react different ways. You know, if you, if you interact with one person one way, you say the exact same thing to another person in the exact same way, they're going to take it a completely different way. So during this journey, you're going to play with more than one person, more than likely. More than likely, right? So. Fucking, <laughs> these, you need to learn different things with different people. Every person you meet, every interaction you have is going to be different. You learn more at that, in that junction, in that situation. So that learning's always happening. And if you close yourself off to actually learning that, then it's kind of fucking terrifying when you sit there and go, no, I know it all. You're going to be my submissive. That's that. That's it. And yeah, fuck that for a laugh. I'd be running in the complete opposite direction if someone said that to me. God damn. And honestly, everything that I've said here today can be said for submissives as well, um, and for submissives to notice this sort of behaviour, and for submissives to learn about the dominant side of things as well. So it's not just it's not just one little thing here guys. It's really not. It's such a conglomeration of things that can make or break a, a DS dynamic, a DS relationship, uh, even just a regular relationship with some of these. I, I noted on some of them that 
This is basically just human to human stuff, not anything to do with with whether someone's you know in a DS relationship. It's just about being a good human to each other, which makes a huge, huge uh, difference to it as well. So, on that note, never ever stop learning. There's always something more out there for us to get our hands around, to get our, our lips around, our mouths around, and to improve ourselves as well. Thank you very much for listening through all of this. It, ha it has been my voice the entire time. I, I know that, that people can get a little bit sick of that. That's why I did the whole interview side um, a little bit. Uh, I do believe we'll be back to the interview side next week. I do have a guest coming on, which should be a lot of fun, um, yeah, talking to somebody new. Um, what I will ask people to do is Nordia Black. I was on uh, an episode of her new podcast, which is coming out in the start of October, so a couple of weeks away. Um, and it's all about deviance, ladies and gentlemen. All about deviance. And I, I, I talked to her about edgy kink mainly, um, because I'm into some stuff that some people would consider a wee bit too far. Uh, so is Nordia. So that made for a really fun conversation. We, I was guest hosting on there. So that was a really, really good chat, a really, really good episode, and I hope that um, you guys will go over to to that when it does come out. I will post links when I do have them, but her Twitter is at Naughty Black, and you'll be able to find all of the details and everything from that on there. So I will ask you to go and do that. As always, you can contact me on the socials at the ASLOT Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or you can email me at the a slut podcast at gmail.com let me know what you thought of this episode let me know how you think the the q a went um i've not done one of these before so it is it is a bit of a new situation for me and feedback is always always welcome um i love learning about how to improve on this side of things so thank you all again all my little sluts and I will speak to you next time. Thank you for listening.